0: Shalom, and welcome to Parashah Highlights and Insights. This is Rabbi Abram Fisher, and this week's Parashah is Mishpatim. This is a continuation of the uh, mitzvot that we had in the Aseret e Debrot, the Decalogue. Um, and uh, in large measure, uh, many of the mitzvot that we have in this Parashah, and there are many of them, uh, are related in one way or another. To uh, the Aseret HaDibrot, uh, especially the second half of the Aseret HaDibrot, which deal with our relationship between each other, between man and man, Bein Adam la chavero. The uh, mitzvot uh, are found in various groups. So the first uh, group of mitzvot have to do with uh, treating. A Hebrew slave, uh, male or female. Uh, A Hebrew slave might be one who, because of extreme poverty or because he stole and uh, cannot pay the fine, uh, is sold into slavery. So he serves for six years. Uh, If his master provides him with a wife, then uh, at the end of his servitude, the wife stays uh, behind, but the Torah anticipates a possibility that the slave will refuse to leave, and in that case, the Torah says that he is uh, given a a, a hole uh, through his ear to mark him, and then he remains a slave. Uh, it says uh, forever, but it means until yovel, until the fiftieth year. We also learn about a maidservant, uh, a Jewish girl who is sold as a slave. She is to be treated differently. Once she is sold as a slave, she uh, is not to be resold. Uh, it's possible that uh, the reason why she was chosen is that ultimately she would be married to the master or to the master's son. Uh, but again, if uh, that is not to happen, if she's released, she must not be resold. If she is married, she has to be provided for like any uh, like any other wife, uh, namely she has to be provided with food, with clothing, regular marital relations, and, uh, she is, uh, she's married in every respect, uh, which means that in, in the case of dissolving that marriage, it would have to take place with a regular, uh, divorce. Uh, the next section of the parasha deals with murder. Uh, and there's a difference between intentional murder, an unintentional murder uh intentional murder is uh punished by execution unintentional uh the murder the uh, person who uh, is responsible for that he didn't intend to but uh, it happened uh, nonetheless so that person uh goes to one of the cities of refuge uh so that on the one hand uh, he will be safe from relatives who might seek revenge, and also uh, it is a kind of atonement for being on some level responsible for the death of someone else, even though it was not uh, intentional. Then the Torah proceeds to uh, other capital offenses, offenses that carry with them the death penalty, uh, for crimes that do not result in death. And the Torah gives three examples uh of this. One is striking parents. If one hits one's parent, that is a capital offense. Uh, if one kidnaps someone else, and also for cursing parents. These are serious offenses. They carry uh capital punishment, uh even though they do not result in death. Uh, the next section of the Parasha deals with uh damages. First, damages to persons. Um, if a, a free person is uh, is, is damaged, uh, then the person who is responsible for causing the damage is liable for uh, loss of income during the recuperation process, as well as medical costs. Other responsibilities, other liabilities, are mentioned uh, elsewhere uh but then also the torah deals with the case of a slave who has been beaten by his master that's another kind of damage if the slave is uh killed uh by his uh, by the master then the master is executed if the slave uh does not die then uh then the master is exempt uh, and he doesn't uh, pay any compensation we also deal with the case of a woman um who uh has uh, has lost a child uh, because she is uh, injured by someone, um, and the Torah talks about uh, monetary compensation for the loss of the child uh, if she herself survives and part of that monetary compensation actually goes to the husband. Uh, if she does die, then of course there is uh, there is punishment and uh, in the end of this section, of damage to person, we talk about the case of a slave, this is a non-Jewish slave, who sustain, uh, sustains the loss of an eye or a tooth, and he is freed because of that. Then the next section uh, deals with <clears throat> various types of damage caused, uh, caused by property. Uh, for example, if an animal, the example that the Torah gives is an ox, uh, gores and causes death to someone... So the ox is stoned and the meat is forbidden. Um, if the ox is gored before, then not only is the stoning of the ox take place and the meat is forbidden, but uh, the owner is liable and the court has to impose a uh, a ransom uh, for this uh, person who uh, did not take responsibility for his habitual uh, goring uh, ox. Uh, then the Torah deals with an ox that gores a non-Jewish slave, and in that case the uh, the owner of the slave is paid 30 pieces of silver. And then the Torah proceeds to other forms of property that cause damage, uh, such as a pit. Someone digs a hole and it damages an animal, so there's compensation for that. And then uh, an ox that causes damage to another ox and there we talk about Uh, half payment, and that's uh, primarily because we're dealing with an ox that has not gored before. Uh, The next section of uh, mitzvot uh, have to do with uh, theft, how to deal with theft. Um, If what is stolen is an ox or a sheep, and then it is either sold or slaughtered, uh, then the, the thief has to pay five times the value of the ox, or four times the value of the sheep. Another case of stealing, of theft that the Torah deals with, is a thief who's breaking in. Uh, he's breaking into a place in order to steal. Uh, he's considered a, a mortal threat. Uh, and therefore, if someone kills him uh, upon breaking in, the person who has killed him is innocent because uh, it is considered a form of self-defense. This uh, thief is pro Poses a mortal threat. Um, if the thief is found, um, then uh, general cases of theft is he pays uh, for the uh, pays for the stolen item, and if he can't pay, uh, then he's sold as a slave, as we mentioned earlier. And a standard thief pays double. Uh, a burglar pays double. The, the case of uh, four, or five or four deals specifically with an ox or sheep that is then sold or slaughtered. But in general, uh, a burglar, we will call him, a thief who is, who is uh, stealing through stealth, uh, <clears throat> is penalized by paying double. Um, the Torah uh, then returns to the subject of damage, uh, damage unintentionally caused by an animal such as an ox, uh, and that could be uh, while the animal is doing something uh, normative, such as eating or walking, uh, and uh, in the process uh, causes damage. So once again, there has to be compensation. Then the Torah talks about another kind of damage, damage caused by uh, fire. Uh, whether the fire is set or the fire is spontaneous, uh, some the owner has to take responsibility, and once again, there is compensation. Then the Torah deals with uh, what we call custodians, shomrim, uh, people who have uh, undertaken to uh, take responsibility for something that belongs to someone else. So we're talking about respect for someone else's property. And uh, this uh, person has taken responsibility. Uh, and there are different kinds of custodians, different kinds of shomrim. There's an unpaid, and he does it as a favor, is paid, uh, he is compensated for his, uh, for his uh, watching. Uh, there could be a renter, someone who rents something that belongs to someone else, pays for the right to use it, and then there is a borrower, some, somebody who uh, uses something with permission that belongs to someone else. And there are different levels of liability for each of these types of custodians. And there are times that a custodian, that a shomer would be required by the court to, uh, to give an oath uh, to, to attest to the fact that he uh, dealt with the item uh, properly during the time that it was in his care. Uh, the Torah deals with the case of a seducer uh, and, uh, and how to deal with, uh, with him. Uh, and then the Torah deals with three other capital offenses, uh, we talked about capital offenses before. We return to the subject of capital offenses, and there are three of them in this section. Um, one is sorcery. Uh, the second is bestiality. And the third is sacrifice to idolatry. So if you're following, you see that we started off uh, with mitzvot that relate in one way or another to the second five of the Aseret HaDibrot, uh, murder, murder, uh, uh, adultery, uh, stealing, and so on. And now we've moved uh, in a sense also to to uh, some of those expanded concepts of uh, the exclusive worship of, uh, of God. Uh, we are told that we have to take care uh, for the stranger, the widow, the orphan. Hashem says, if they cry out to me, I will avenge them. Uh, then we have a section on how to deal with lenders. Uh, it's a mitzvah to lend somebody money who needs it, uh, but one is not permitted to charge interest for that. And if there is a pledge, when somebody puts up an object as security, that object might require uh, it to be returned to the owner uh, every every evening uh, because that person is so poor that they need it. It might be their only uh, piece of cloth- garment that they can cover themselves during the, during the night. Uh, Uh, in the Aseret de Debrot, we talked about uh, the proper way of speaking about uh, Hashem, and, uh, and the, by implication, the improper way, and so we have some mitzvot that refer to honoring and sanctifying God's name. Uh, do not blaspheme, or curse uh, a leader, uh, and also give your gifts to Hashem on time. First fruits, truma, firstborn, and do not eat uh, f- uh, meat that is trefa, meaning that it was killed by a uh, by a predator. So these are very far-reaching implications of what it means to be uh, Hashem's uh, holy people. Uh, then we have a, a section on uh, what we might call ways of righteousness and uh, justice. Uh, these include the prohibition against accepting Lashon hara. Somebody says something uh, that is uh, negative about someone else. Not only is it prohibited to to say it, but is also prohibited to accept it uh, as, as true. Uh, furthermore, prohibition against false testimony, uh, how the court has to rule based on the majority, uh, be careful about favoring the poor in judgment. Uh, the poor have to receive uh, impartial judgment, the same as everyone else. Uh, l- returning lost items uh, helping a beast of burden that's struggling with its uh, burden, stay far away from falsehood, uh, stay away from bribes. Uh, and the Torah completes, concludes that section by saying, you know what it's like to be a stranger. Uh, and so uh, when you find a stranger in your midst, you have to be sensitive to their uh, situation. Uh, then the Torah has a section on uh, what we might call holy times, uh, remember in the Aseret of Dibrot we have Shabbat but there are other holy times as well. Uh, the Parsha here does mention Shabbat but before that it also mentions Shemitah, the seventh year uh, and Shabbat and the three pilgrimage festivals uh, how these are uh, festivals that coincide with certain important agricultural events and also that we are to make a pilgrimage. The Torah talks about chametz. that's uh, especially in connection with Pesach, uh, bringing the first fruits, which people usually do uh, when they make the pilgrimage, then concludes the section by saying not to eat any combination of meat and milk that have been uh, cooked together. Indeed, it's even prohibited to cook the combination or to derive any benefit. So um, you see that uh, there is a wide, wide assortment of mitzvot, but uh, for the most part, They relate, as I said, in one way or another uh, as a kind of an expansion of the concept of the Aseret and Dibrot. Uh, The Torah uh, goes on to to say that there are consequences of obeying these laws. You will be Hashem's people. Uh, You will be rewarded. And the converse is also true. God will uh, provide his uh, guidance and protection. He'll bring you to the land of Israel in security. Be aware when you do come to the land. Be aware of alliances with the nations that inhabit the land, uh, because of their idolatrous nature, uh, they might mislead you. Uh, and then, uh, at the uh, at the very end of this parasha, uh, we are told about the covenant, about the brit uh, that uh, Moshe uh, helps the people make with God. Now, it's not entirely clear whether this. Uh, whether this brit was done before or after, most uh, Mufar Shim understand. Certainly, the midrash understands that this all took place before the giving of the Torah on Sinai. But the Torah is now filling in that uh, detail. That Moshe ascended the mountain. We read about that before. That uh, Moshe told uh, tells the people Hashem's instructions, and the people at the time said, "We will do." We will do what Hashem has said. Uh, Moshe uh, writes down the first part of the Torah. He builds an altar and erects 12 pillars. He sacrifices. He reads from the first installment, let's call it, of the Torah that Moshe has written. The people then uh, recommit themselves. and We will do and we will listen. He takes the blood of the sacrifice and sprinkles the blood of this covenant on the people. This is what brings... Uh, the people into a permanent covenant with Hashem. then they there is a, a divine manifestation, the glory of Hashem. Moshe goes up for six days and again it's not entirely clear is this before or after the revelation uh, and then we uh, learn that uh, Moshe is given uh, forty days to receive the two uh, tablets and the and the Torah. Uh, so there's a great deal in this parasha. Uh, and uh, it really goes together with last week's parasha when we learned about the Aseret of Dibrot. I want to return to the uh, section of the Torah that talks about how you treat a slave who after uh, finishing his uh, period of servitude, uh, let's say six years, uh, says he does not want to leave. And the, Torah, uh, the Torah says, that uh, if he says I love my master, my wife, my children, I don't wish to go free. So his master takes him before the judges, and then he is brought next to the door uh, or the doorpost, and his master pierces his ear with a boring tool, with an awl, and then he remains a slave. It says lo lam uh, for life, but it really means until yovel. Now the Kliakar uh, has a great deal to say about this, uh, about this mitzvah, uh, about how to treat this slave who has chosen to be a slave. Says the Kliakar, uh, the, the problem with this person is, is that he has chosen now to be a slave. Originally he was sold as a slave because of a financial problem, but now uh, he doesn't have to be a slave anymore, but he now opts of his own free will to be a slave. Um, and that means he's not, he's not listening to God properly, uh, because God wants him to be, wants all of us to be free people uh, serving Hashem, not necessarily uh, a slave to to another person who is a slave to God. So this is why he's punished. And the reason why he's uh, punished in his ear, uh, with the whole place in his ear, says uh, the Kliakar, uh, echoing an idea, that was uh, that said in the in the Gemara, is that this was an ear that was at Sinai and heard that God said that uh, every one of the uh, people of Israel is to be a slave to Hashem, uh, and to choose to be a slave to a slave is uh, a bad choice. Um, now, somebody who was sold as uh, a slave because he stole something uh, requires yet another punishment. He is in a sense punished with the slavery but he requires another one because now we can see by his choice that slavery is something that uh, that uh, appeals to him um, and therefore the slavery was not a punishment for him because he clearly wants it he, he chooses it um, so uh, that is why he is... Uh, uh, he is punished with this uh, with this hole in his ear. Now, the reason why it's done next to the door uh, or the doorpost says the Kliakar, um, is that after six years of servitude, he is now given the opportunity to go from slavery to freedom, and uh, quite uh, quite literally, the door is open for him to go out from this condition of slavery and go into a condition of uh, of freedom. Um, the problem is that uh, the door turns on its hinges and the lazy one does not wish to go out, he says, uh, paraphrasing from the book of Michelet. Um, just like anyone else who has an oppor- opportunity to be free and chooses uh, to be a slave, it has uh, very mistaken. Uh, Values and this is not uh, this is not the proper way to choose. Uh, He thinks that because in a period, a condition of servitude, his basic needs are provided for. He has food, he has a place to sleep, and so on. Um, So that's an ideal condition. Whereas the ideal condition really should be a a condition of 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 freedom, uh, where he can make a life for himself and serve Hashem that way. Um, so this is why he is his ear is pierced specifically at the doorpost because there's a door there. Uh there's a, metaphorically there's a door a door uh, an opening to to freedom. Um, what's more says the Kliakkar, uh at the mezuz- uh at the doorpost is a mezuzah uh mezuzah the parchment that has written in it uh that you should love God but the problem with this person is he says he wants to remain a slave because he loves his master. Uh, so he's, his priorities are wrong. His uh, priority should be, uh, to prefer his love of, of God. So he's exchanged the love of God for the love of his uh, maidservant wife who was provided for him. Uh, this is, uh, this is, uh, improper priorities. Finally, uh, the Kliakar extracts from this lesson for, for everyone, even those who are not Literally, slaves. He says that uh, uh, among the Jewish people, there are people who are uh, blind to their condition, and he has a play on words here. The uh, Hebrews is Ivrim, and blind people are, is also Ivrim, except Hebrew is spelled with a vet, ayin bet and uh, blind is ayin vav um, pe- People may be free, but um, they uh, they enslave themselves. To uh, a life in which they are pursuing that which is material. This is a common theme in the commentary of the Kliakar. And uh, people like this go through all kinds of uh, pain and suffering and uh, a type of slavery um, in order to obtain this uh, illusory wealth. Uh, and for this, he's willing to do whatever it takes. And he even... Uh, convinces himself that he's doing this for the benefit of his, uh, of his family. But, um, he doesn't want to, he doesn't want to go free, uh, whereas in, in reality, he should prefer, uh, to, uh, to be a servant to Hashem. Of course, it's important to make a living, uh, but one has to have one's priorities, uh, straight. And that, says the Kliakar, is a lesson that can be learned by everyone, uh, throughout Uh, throughout our times. I thank you very much for joining me in this exploration of Parashat Mishpatim. This has been Rabbi Avraham Fisher for Parashat Highlights and Insights saying Shalom.